Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the corner where the treats is is this the the passing of the torch, right? Is this what this signifies? It comes down to that that front office and what they feel is most important. The champ is here. We've touched down from a higher plane. Why you made it here? We always look forward to that week because it was always intense. You know that we ain't coming back. We got to the man, the myth, the legend, Dante Hall. My 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 favorite player growing up was Dante Hall. I love you guys, show, but Dante was my guy. Get to dashing because you done on the war feet. This episode of Chief Concerns is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Let's go! What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Chief Concerns, your post-game show. Man, uh, not the prettiest Pat performance. You know, I know a lot of people were waiting for him to come out and forget their 500 yards last game of the season. Didn't happen, but that was just domination from start to finish. I know a lot of people thought we were going to see Jared Stidham come out with, you know, like what he did against the Niners. They didn't do anything. I mean, this was just domination from start to finish. Got to see some a play that, that everyone's talking about the snow globe plays, what they're calling it. Um, they, they did it right before Christmas. And players designed that one. Um, but man, I am just over the moon. I know that this whole neutral site thing may you know, put a little damper on things, but hey, uh, we got the one seed, we got the buy, and home field advantage unless we play the Buffalo Bills uh, in the AFC Championship game. But man, I feel fantastic. Uh, Lance, how you doing, buddy? How you feeling, man? Marcus, correct me if I'm wrong, but I was I was told going into the season that uh, this was supposed to be a down year. They're, the Chiefs were supposed to be his Tyreek Hill. They had too many unproven guys on the defensive side. And the Chiefs went from having a defense that had barely 30, 31 sacks last season to now having enough sacks that would have led the league in, the, in, led the league in sacks last season. The, the, yes, everything you're feeling right now, Marcus, is everything I'm feeling right now, even as critical and as skeptical as I can be at times. It's really hard to look at this win, an 18-point victory when the Chiefs kind of ho-hummed on offense, only went 5 of 9 from third down, had barely 200 yards passing, and able to win a road game like that. I know there was a lot of red in the in the crowd, so it was barely even considered a road game. Mm-hmm. But 16 consecutive road victories versus AFC West opponents, 7 consecutive AFC West titles, being at least the second seed in the AFC playoff picture over the last five seasons. Man, this is about as good as it gets. I know the Patriots had a 20-year run, and that is about as unprecedented as it gets. But it wouldn't shock me if in in the next 10 to 15 years if we're looking at the exact same type of run, because that's not crazy to say, because no one saw this coming. As as, as high and as as great as as we were anticipating Patrick Mahomes to be from day one, and I was one of those that was very much anticipating it, I never thought it would be this incredible through the first five seasons. So 
look, there's there's plenty to chew on in this game. I'm sure we can criticize some of it. Yeah. But this is the type of victory that gets a team in the playoff form, man. And I saw a playoff team. I saw a team, in, and, and I know JD's talked about it, how teams get lackadaisical at the end of the season against inferior opponents. That's very true because tonight it showed that the Chiefs' defense is locking down, man. They've given up 16 points per game over the last three games. This defense is ready for the playoffs. I'm not saying they're perfect. They still got things to work on, but they look ready. They look like a, a team that's deserving of the one seed, and I feel really good about this team going into the playoffs. Yeah, it almost seemed like we were like locked in from the get-go, um, and that's one thing that J.D. was talking about you want to be as you, you want to be in form, and he's talked about how playing against the Raiders was the best kind of way to get a get-right game for the playoffs to make yourself kind of feel feel good about yourself. And, you know, obviously we talked about that snow globe play, and I, I have I want to ask JD a question about it when we get later on the show about um, about that play. Uh, but like we've well, we're playing loose, um, coming right out the gate throwing that bomb to Justin Watson. We're play a play that we really haven't seen much this year. We haven't seen much bombs uh, this year. Uh, we're doing it in other ways, but like we play, we're playing loose. We're having luckily we're having fun out there. And on the other end, you had a team that pretty much more or less has packed it in. Uh, that uh, it was kind of pathetic to watch. It was pitiful uh, to to watch. And I and it's seen that that one Raiders fan holding up the sign. We we deserve better than this. And it's like I mean you do you do, but it's, I mean it's just all it's just, it's an awful product. And I feel I feel for Raiders fans. Um, I do, and not really, but you know, um, <laughs> man though, like I gotta say, I, I was surprised. I, I, there's three topics I, I wanted to go over tonight. Uh, when JD gets on uh, the pass rush, obviously you kind of mentioned that there. Um, the 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 running game the. the the, the kind of the running game splits. I was very surprised to see the amount of touches that Rojo got. And I don't know if that is, we were trying to like keep our guys McKinnon and, and, um, and uh, Pacheco, you know, you know, fresh. I don't want to get him hurt, but like, I mean, Rojo out carried him in that first quarter. He was out carrying Pacheco in that first quarter and in, the, in the game. He out carried him overall. Um, and then the other thing I want to talk about was that play. Um, so, Overall, man, like I know this is a season that like everyone kind of doubted us, and over the last few years, really, really haven't had a lot of doubt. Um, yeah, every year we get the, the bullshit. Oh, Chargers are going to win the West stuff. We we've been hearing that for many years, even before the Mahomes era. Uh, but like, what I mean, what does this season kind of mean to you? Like, if you were to put like a kind of a theme to the year on on this Chiefs team, regular season wise, obviously we still have yet to we, we could finish off the, the narrative for the year and how we finish off in the playoffs. But like regular season wise, what would you, what, what would you kind of like embody this team? What, what would be the theme for the season you'd say for this, uh, this chiefs team of 2022? Yeah. Uh, the first two to three seasons, this was still a team that I felt that was becoming, you know, the Mahomes era, even though, you know, from day one, he took over and he just took over the league and he was just a spectacle and he was just a statistical juggernaut. And he was leading the chiefs to AFC championships every year. In 2020, I felt like that was the best Chiefs team in the Mahomes era, and they were just they were they they just had a depleted offensive line. That team should have won the Super Bowl. We all know this. Yeah. Uh, that that team felt robbed. This to me feels like the team that's going to redeem that, because of the fact that I think that this is finally 100% the Patrick Mahomes team. What I mean by that is the majority of the guys, in fact, pretty much everybody except Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey are gone from the previous generation, the Alex Smith era, you know, the 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 initial Andy Reid era of Kansas City. There are two eras here now with Andy Reid over the last 10 years. I feel like this is finally that team because there are so many new pieces. Tyreek Hill's gone. There's a new focus on this team. They have different challenges than they did the previous four years. This team, this is, in my opinion, this has been Patrick Mahomes' best season as a quarterback in the NFL. I think he has been as deserving of a unanimous MVP this season as he ever has been before. And I just think that now, like I said, finally, you're seeing this team become 
really his. Because again, he's always been the best quarterback in the league since he's been a starting quarterback. But it just it, it, it it's it's that shape. You see that, oh, this team has really been built to help Patrick Mahomes. Like they were throwing pieces here and there in 2018 and 2019 to kind of just add to the equation that was already there for him to walk into. Mm-hmm. It really feels like it's his now. Yeah. And that's why I'm really excited. And and again, I don't want to echo what I said to start the show, but we were told, man, this was supposed to be a down year. Yeah. And again, 2020 was a year where the Chiefs should have won the Super Bowl. So mm. I really love the fact that things are kind of paralleling with two different expectations. And I truly believe this is going to be the team that redeems that 2020 season because it should have been the Chiefs to win. And I think it's going to be the Chiefs to win this time around because this team's going to be healthy, young, motivated, and it's more of Patrick Mahomes taking that next step. Steve Young said something that I thought was so beautiful before the game started about how Patrick Mahomes is always trying to, he's already, he's been so great. And, you know, what do we say? You know, oh, he's great. And then we just move on. The crazy thing about Patrick Mahomes, the best thing about Patrick Mahomes is he's always trying to get better. Mm -hmm. He's always trying to figure out how do I elevate my game even further. And that's what separates athletes like him and LeBron James and Michael Jordan and the transcendent figures of sports Mm -hmm. lore is these guys are already so great and so ahead of everybody else but they have the work and the drive as if he was a guy that's the fringe player on the practice squad. Yeah. That's what separates him, and that's why he just had his greatest season to date. And I'm not doubting this man from doing more things that are even greater than this. And I'm talking about in these playoffs. I think he's going to go nuclear. Yeah, I agree. And uh, to talk about the how impressive the season was, and JD's getting on right now, but the stat that we tweeted out from our uh, Chief Concerns account this week was uh, Mahomes, if Juju didn't get 102 yards tonight, Mahomes would be the second quarterback uh, all time to have 5,000 yards in a season and a wide receiver to not have 1,000 yards. Juju did not get 102 yards. He got 35 yards tonight. Um, so Patrick Mahomes became the second quarterback um, outside of uh, Drew Brees in 2008 to have uh, 5,000 yards and have his, no receivers get over 1,000 yards. Impressive. Kelsey had over 1,000 yards, but as far as receiver-wise – None of them, and then I think the next closest was MVS, like seven, like six sixty, and I don't know, I don't know how many yards he had today, but yeah, um, so huge, amazing season for for Pat. Uh, now we're bringing on our guy, our uh, friendly neighborhood uh, tight end, Jason Dunn. JD, how we doing, buddy? Boop, boop, boop. What's up? What's going on, fellas? How y'all doing? What's up, JD? Good to see you, buddy. We're over the moon, <laughs> we are over the moon after this one. Uh, funny thing uh, I saw, so JD. Uh, we have a we have a comment here from Noah John Marshall. And there's three topics I want to get into tonight, but I want to see what some of the people are saying here. But Noah John Marshall had mentioned in this comment, Raiders have lost any home field they used to have at the uh, the old black hole, and that's something that apparently Mark Davis had uh, had talked about before the game. There was a quote in some article about how uh, moving to Vegas, they've pretty much lost any home field advantage. Every game is just kind of it. it you got guys from other uh, teams, fan bases coming in, whereas in Oakland, the black hole. You didn't have that many uh, fa- uh, uh, away teams coming and kind of dominating it. Uh, but it's like, that's kind of what you guys, that was kind of a big deal with you guys going to Vegas. You guys were going to get more money and more people coming in, more revenue. It was not what it was about. I mean, but now you're complaining that the fact that away teams are coming in and dominating your stadium. It's like, that's, sorry. <laughs> that's part of the reason we're coming to Vegas. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, you, we kind of knew this was going to be uh, the problem, right? Because, you know, when you're taking a team from its home field like it was in Oakland, where you just had a, a huge, huge fan base uh, that traveled then going to someplace that was as a transit place like like Vegas makes it a lot more difficult. And so when you talk about those fans that are very, uh, 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 you know, loyal to their base, it's going to be hard for them to get to Vegas when they when they need to on the weekends. Mm-hmm. And so that was the thing about it from L.A. to New Oakland, then all of a sudden you go out to, out to Vegas. 
it's just a little tough. It just doesn't seem the same. It just, it really does. And so I know just playing in the black hole, how I used to be, it just uh, on the field, it just looked kind of, um, you know, manufactured a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, it did, just doesn't have that feel like, like you said, like the black hole. And that is, that's, that's tough. It is tough to do because a lot of what, you know, brought, you know, a lot of disadvantage to teams was that base. It was that black hole. You, you knew you was playing in Oakland. Like I said, it felt like a black cloud was over the stadium when we went out there and you would just see five to 10 miles of just nothing but Raider fans. I mean, it was, it was, it was a tough, tough environment to play. So now, man, it's been tamed a little bit. And so that, that is, that is very excruciating. I'm sure for Mark Davis to see. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, You think about it, man. I mean, the the experience factor is just taking all out of it for Raiders fans because I mean, I'm trying to imagine as a Chiefs fan in Kansas City, that's like the team being moved to like Omaha, Nebraska, and then trying to replicate what you once had at Arrowhead Stadium. It just, it's not the same. And 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 I think this shows that because that that sign told told me everything about Raiders fans. And honestly, I did feel bad. I, I mean, I enjoyed that. seeing the Raiders <laughs> losing it, especially at the expense or by the hand of the Chiefs. But I felt bad for these Raiders fans because if we know some anything about Raider fans, they are delusionally loyal to their team. They love their team throughout. There's no if fans are butts about it, and they do deserve better than what they've been given over the last 20-plus years. And for them to move to Vegas, I get it, it's a money move, it's a money grab, yeah. but you took the spirit out of the black hole, man. You thought you were going to replicate it in, in in Las Vegas. That's just not how it goes, man. It's an ultimate tur- tur- uh, tourist city, so you're mm. going to get far. I mean, they were showing, they are panning out. Steve Lee was talking. He had Baylor fans, you had Bills fans, you had Rando fans all over the place tonight. Mm. And that's not home field advantage there, bro. You're not going to get the same thing you would get in that baseball field that they had out there in Oakland, man. And and and, and the stories, I'm sure J.D. knows about this. Back in the 90s, I, I heard stories from guys, some Chiefs players my dad used to hang out with about how they would chuck batteries at Chiefs players and Chiefs fans alike. That was a, that was a thing out there. You're not getting that in Vegas, man. It's just, it's just not the same world. So it really sucks to see just from an experience standpoint, but I get a little get, I get a little giggle at it every once in a while because I think it's pretty hilarious at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Like Raiders games. It looks like it's, it's become like a, another David, Co- David Copperfield type event for people who go to Vegas. It's like, oh, maybe we'll go to see a Raider game. Dick Frieder Lloyd Raiders. It had a lot to do with you. You're thinking about like all the grit, you know, Oakland, you know what I'm saying? Like the yeah. whole, you know, the city in itself, and nobody wants to be out there. You see Alcatraz when you when you when you drive across the uh, the, the Golden Gate Bridge. I mean, it's like all of that is you know the aesthetics of everything, right? Mm-hmm. And so I just remember on, on the uh, uh, against the the, the the fence, the Hell's Angels just lined up, hundreds of them. Just you know, I mean, all of that man is just part of, like you said, the ambiance of playing out there in Oakland and you just don't mm-hmm. have that anymore. You just, you just don't have it. You know, Las Vegas is, you know, it's all the lights and you know, the flashes and the glimmers and people want to go out there and they want to, you know, they want to do other things, right? Uh, let's mm-hmm. go, let's go gamble. We don't want to go to the Raiders game. Raiders game. That's what you had in Oakland. That was it. Yeah. So, um, so obviously, you know, we clinched the, the top spot in the AFC uh, home field advantage, unless we play the bills um, in the AFC championship game. Um, but there's there's a couple topics I wanted to get from this game. So all all season, pretty much all year, we kind of talked about getting pressure, getting pass rush. This game, six sacks in this one. Um, and across the board, Chris Jones, 15 and a half sacks in the season. George Karloff is George the Animal Steel, uh, six sacks in the season. Um, I believe five and a half over the last six games, I believe. Um, six in his last seven. Six in his last seven. Um, 
or no, because they gave him a half a sack for the one today, even though they, that should have been a full sack. They gave him a half sack for that one. Um, and then Mike Dana, uh, five sacks um, on, the, on the year, um, including the, the two he had today. Um, so, J.D., we talked about pass rush, big deal going into the season. Is this the type of pass rush that you want from a team that you that you think can compete for a Super Bowl? I mean, last year, we didn't have that. We talked about that being an, an issue. Some parts this year, we talked about that being an issue, that creating the pressure. And it looks like this team is kind of coming together at the right time, as you always talk about. You want to come together at the right time at this point in the season. What are you making the pass rush as we get into the playoffs? Well, I, I think it's more than just a one. I think it's a need. You, you need a pass rush like this going into the playoffs. There's no question about it. I mean, what they did today, you know, you, you're going to try to, you know, emulate it as much as possible. You, you just have to. And so, uh, especially against, you know, the teams that we know we're going to see in the playoffs, you got to get some pressure on, the, you know, it, whether it be Joe Burrow or uh, uh, Josh Allen. Um, you know, it, you're going to have to get that pressure. And so that's very important. With oh, oh he's busy. Uh -oh. tell, tell him you're busy. You're on a show right now. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> it's Patrick Mahomes. He wanted to talk to JD. He wanted to get on. Yeah, yeah. That's the Pat. I, I get you back, right? Talking about you right now. Uh, but that I, I think you know. I mean, you you definitely need a pass rush like that. And, and, and look, I'm I'm looking at this even in in a way that I'm still wanting a little bit more from our defensive line. Okay, I think the rotation. I think they're still utilizing the rotation. How they're going to use that different guys in combination. And so I look at some of the combinations don't quite work for me. You know, and I'm looking like not necessarily uh, getting a, a, any any type of uh, pressure uh, on the on the defense, but Chris Jones with anybody else is going to hit me. It's going to be a win. I think it's going to be effective if you could just go ahead and get him loose. Uh, you know, Frank Clark going out. Uh, it, I don't know if it's going it, to it, it's going to be a little bit. It's going to be a little change with him going out. No doubt about it, because I think he brings element. Of course, uh, maybe he doesn't necessarily show the sacks as coming up as as it should be. But he gets pressure. He's very effective as far as, you know, disrupting some of the passes and, the, you know, the tackles uh, that makes him frustrated. But, you know, with that, man, I just want to say they, uh, they they played a phenomenal game. Chris, uh, I think the most uh, sacks is a defensive tackle this year. I mean, amazing. Absolutely amazing, man. He, he's just been an incredible, incredible player uh, to be defensive player of the year. No doubt about it. Let me please. It's not even a question. Seriously. Well, let me let me answer the question, Marcus, first, and then I'll I'll address uh, JD's uh, take on the defensive player of the year with Chris Jones because I think he has a more than uh, valid case for it, and I can break that down in just a second. But let me let me say, when it comes to this pass rush, and if it's going it, to it, the the question is basically, do you think they're going to be enough to help the Chiefs get to a Super Bowl? Um, I I do think it is. I think it is. I, I definitely do. And the biggest two biggest reasons why is because of the fact that this defense has numbers that I think are very underrated and overlooked because if you look at the scoring amounts throughout the season, people are like, oh, Chiefs are giving up 23, 24 points a game as a defense, man. I don't know. Their secondary is really young. And then they overlook the fact the Chiefs had over 55 sacks this season. The, yeah. the fact that they are, what, fourth in the league in defensive and uh, in, in rush defense. The fact that they, even though they're horrible and uh, turnover takeaway, that's mostly because the offense also turned the ball over 10 out of 11 games down the stretch. So that wasn't really on the defensive side's fault. And the Chiefs started forcing turnovers in this last month. I think they had four. So 
this defensive line can get to the quarterback. They've been proving it. And I know that Spags is famous to mixing up those those dialed-up blitzes, those timely blitzes with, with Justin Reed, who played incredible tonight, with yeah. Legereus Sneed, who's always incredible. He's I think he should be an all-pro this year. But Chris Jones is playing at the absolute his absolute best. This is the best version of Chris Jones we have ever seen. And I think it simplifies everything for guys like Mike Dana, who you talked about earlier, who has five sacks. In fact, I think seven of his nine career sacks have gone against AFC West teams. So this dude shows up when it matters the most. And I expect him to play well in the playoffs. But the two guys on the ends, Karloftis and Dunlap, have been so pivotal. And I think it's awesome because we've talked about this before on the show. Those two guys are on complete opposite ends of their careers. Carlos yeah. Dunlap is a 33-year-old veteran that was just basically picked up. And then Karloftis is his first-round 21, 22-year-old rookie that had expectations, but I think we all kind of knew it was going to take him some time. And that's exactly what happened. But both of these guys are playing such a key role, it's also making Chris Jones's job easy. So as much as Chris Jones takes the pressure off these guys, they're making his job easier, which is why he's having his best season in five years. So I'm, 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 I am very confident, especially when you consider the fact the two biggest foes the Chiefs are going to have to face in the AFC playoffs are two teams that have banged up offensive lines with the Bengals losing Leo Collins, an offensive line that already gives up a ton of sacks to begin with, with or without Leo Collins, and the Bills have a very banged up offensive line. Mitch Morse is in and out of the lineup. Deion Dawkins has leg injuries all the time. So, yes, this this defensive line can get to Josh Allen. They can get to Joe Burrow. It's just a matter of if the Chiefs and off, their offense and defense can coincide in a game long enough to beat one of those two teams because they didn't do it in their matchups this year. So that's the key to all this, man. Now, when it comes to Chris Jones... I 100% agree. I think this dude's a for sure all-pro. I think the Chiefs need to extend him because he doesn't look like he's slowing down. In fact, it looks like he's getting better. But when it comes to guys like Nick Bosa, the problem is he's going to have that narrative that, oh, well, the Niners didn't have a, a solidified quarterback all season. He led the league in sacks, led the league in quarterback pressures, led the league in quarterback hits, hurries, all that stuff, and he missed a game. And the only game he missed, they lost by double digits to the Atlanta Falcons at home. So the narrative's not going to be on Chris Jones' side. But make no mistake about it. Chris Jones has been just as good, if not better, than Nick Bosa this season. That's that's not being disrespectful to Nick Bosa. That's giving high praise to Chris Jones and what he means to this team as a whole. He's been an MVP on this team, man. He is the MVP of this defense, and he des er deserves every award that comes his way. Well, well, not to mention, you know, playing a defensive tackle is very hard to do. That's that's a that's a tougher position to be in. Yeah, oh, defensive end. That's yeah. just the reality of it, you know. So you know, defensive end, you have a lot more one-on-one -on -one situations. Chris is getting double teamed. He's getting through him. I mean, I'm talking about getting skinny. And he's just been a, doing a phenomenal job. Like you said, I mean, nothing against Bosa. Bosa is an, an incredible player, no doubt about it. But when you're getting double teamed time after time and still getting in there, I'm talking pressures, getting sacks, that is without a doubt uh, a, a higher level of difficulty to do as opposed to playing a defensive end. So that, that's that's just the reality of it as far as like when you look at it. You know, some people just look at overall sacks, but it's like, okay – Wait a minute. What did this guy have to do to get those sacks in, in itself? Yeah. Yeah. Um, talking about uh, Carl Otis, five and a half in his last seven games, uh, six on the season. Um, you talk, we talk about being a rookie and how, you know, how you kind of have to get used to it, right? And the fact that he's come on the last seven games, is that a sign that the game is slowing down for him, JD, that he can actually, he's understanding what's going on, or, you know, or he's kind of just adjusted his game altogether to the, the NFL level, the fact that, Five and a half in the last seven games. That's that's trending in the right. That's trending in the right direction, right? I mean, talk talk us about that, that kind of uh, that adjustment period to get to get into you know being being an NFL player, and being a kind of a, a pass rush specialist in, in this in the modern day NFL. I mean, is, is that just adjusting at the right time, getting used to the game speed? What what is that? Is the game slowing down for him? 
Well, I, I think it's it's, it's a, a number of things. It, definitely the game is slowing down. But also, too, he's learning a lot from Dunlap and Flake Clark, you know, Chris Jones. He, he's learning a lot from these guys that's in front of him and around him, too, as far as, like, look, how do you get around to get sacks? Use your hands a little bit better. So he's getting a lot of toolage from those guys to get to help him out. And so that that's a great position to be in as far as a rookie, having veteran guys that have done it before at a high level to help you out all, with it as well. So with him – I think because Golovkin is like, okay, now I'm starting to get it. Now I can, you know, kind of get my own self into these things and understand what I need to do. Because we said at the very first of the season, um, it was he was just this close. It was always just a little bit. He was almost there, and so then finally start putting this thing together. And so it just takes time. It does, especially for a rookie. It does take time. But also too, when you when you're seeing a guy like Chris Jones who's getting, you're saying to yourself, I got to be able to get back there too. You're being demanded of that. Every single game, I promise you, when they're sitting there saying, look, George, you have to got to get back to GK. Come on, man. Where you at? We need to see you a little bit more. So he's constantly being amped up to go and get back there, go get sacks. And he's look, he's, he's answering the call. He's been doing it the past few games. I actually had it projected. Uh, I know people were talking about how many sacks. I think I had it projected maybe with eight this year. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 so – I, you know, he's been, he's just been back there, man. He probably could have had eight, man. He was just right there that close, man. But he's been doing a phenomenal job. And like you said, at the right time, when everything started to be put together, that he started to get it, just watching these guys, the, the, the Chiefs bow well being in that position, having a guy like that uh, who's who's playing at a high level with, like George. Mm-hmm. JD's 100% correct and and how this all works out for guys like that. And JD knows better than Marcus and I because you've actually played in the league. And I know that – JD would attest to this, that experience is the best way for you to develop your game. And I think that George has had an incredible situation to walk into in Kansas City because, as you just alluded to, having Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Carlos Dunlap, Mike Dana, experienced veterans like that around you to ease you into the situation while also saying, all right, man, young buck, it's time for you to step up, and he's done just that. Uh, That's why you see this. And plus, to George's defense, I mean, imagine walking into a season like this with all the pressure and expectation of being a first-round pick, on the on the team that hosts the AFC Championship every single year, and your first month and some change, you're facing quarterbacks like Kyler Murray, who are, is insanely hard to catch. Justin Herberts, who's one of the best talented quarterbacks we've seen in 20 years. I mean, you have just the list goes on of, of talented Josh Allen by week six. I mean, he's faced those three guys in just his first six weeks as a NFL starter. So that's that's a gauntlet to take on to start your career. And then, like I said, you see that you see him start to really just take shape over this last six, seven weeks. And and I and I did. I'm gonna I'm gonna post it on my Twitter probably tonight because uh, I have the comparison waiting. Outside of Joe, Nick Bosa, I would say T.J. Watt's probably the best pass rusher in the game. And and Nick and uh, T.J. Watt's first season as an NFL player with the Steelers, man had seven sacks. George Karloftis has six. So you're looking at a, a guy that could very well – I'm not saying he's going to turn into T.J. Watt because there isn't just T.J. Watts walking around. But when you look at the comparison, man, you're talking about a guy that has the potential to really start wrecking, ha- wreaking havoc in this league. And that would not shock me at, if, at all if this dude becomes one of the premier pass rushers in this league because he has that talent. I've always, I always thought he looked like a, like a Ryan Kerrigan, the dude that played for yeah. Washington all those yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. Just a bull. Just a guy that just bodies left tackles, right tackles, doesn't matter who he's going against, and just powers his way. And like you said, it always felt like for the first couple months, like he was just that close to getting a sack. That second season, that third season, and that fourth season, that little close, he's going to be there a whole second 
faster than what he was in his rookie year. So I I couldn't be more excited to do it because I, I walked in this season with pretty decent high expectations for Carl Loftus. I had around the same that J.D. had, around seven to eight sacks. But the fact that he's just right there in a rookie season comparison to T.J. Watt tells me everything I need to know, man. This guy, And it, ironically, they were both 30th overall picks in the draft. So mm-hmm. there's some there's some correlation and some parallels there to be paying attention to moving forward. Well, let's let's hope that, that this this plays out. You know that it becomes that. Well, I, I do know that we all know this. That TJ has a big brother named JJ that you've been watching for a long time. So whatever George has to do to get in that lab with somebody like that, he needs to do. I don't care. You know, this all season you make sure. I don't care where you need to go. If you need to get on a mountain somewhere in, in the woods, okay, cut some things up. Go do that. Okay. I, I don't know where it is. Somewhere. <laughs> Go find it, you know. So, yeah. Uh, but I know, I know a lot of that competition with TJ and JJ. Yeah. I, mean, I want to be better than my bigger brother, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing with the Bosas. It's the same thing, right? Let me shoot. Nick wants to be better than you know, his, his, you know, Joey. So, yep. when you have that, you know, they're at home. They're probably, it's crazy because you almost look at it. It's like two brothers in the room, and they're just doing pass rush techniques on each other. You know, just, <laughs> <laughs> what was that one movie with? Uh, uh, Tommy Lee Jones and uh, oh, I can't think of uh, Benicio del Toro. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, he's like a hitman. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, what they had the knife. Yeah, <laughs> I see him doing that. So uh, it's you're, probably, you're probably not far off, honestly. That probably yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Lance, it's funny you say uh, uh, Kerrigan. Uh, so uh, when I worked at the NBC local station, I had to cover Kerrigan uh, with the with the Redskins. Um, but like, yeah. Also Purdue guy, also not the fastest guy, but a high energy, high motor guy. Seven and a half sacks his first season uh, with the with the with the with the Commanders. Um, but yeah, and he if he has a career or anything like Ryan Kerrigan, Ryan Kerrigan ended up with ninety five and a half sacks in his uh, twenty eleven to two thousand twenty one. Sign me up, uh, career. I'll sign me up. Player, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, sign me up. Yeah. Um, so the other thing I want to talk about that kind of uh, was a was a was a big thing uh, today, which stood out to me. Now, this JD, you play the NFL, um, and this is something that I was kind of reading online. Everyone was kind of having their own kind of speculation on this one. So the the the, the running backs, they kind of there was, a, there was a weird split today where our guy Rojo, who you know we've been try, we've been chanting free Rojo for a long time, um, and. He if midway through the first quarter, he had more carries than Pacheco did. Um, and I know at the end of the game, we had Henny go out there, and so he got a little bit more carries. Rojo did, but the end of the game with uh, 10 carries for 45 yards. And in contrast, Pacheco had eight carries for 64 yards, both had touchdowns. Um, now was this Rojo getting carries more so it was the last game of the season we wanted to spell Pacheco McKinnon, or was this we want to work him into the rotation because we might utilize him a little bit more in the playoffs? What what was this? Because a lot there's a lot of different camps on this one of why we saw a lot of it, a lot more Rojo uh, this week or uh, today. Uh, I think initially had to do with you know giving Pacheco and, and McKinnon a break, uh, but also too it is like okay can this guy? I mean he got fresh legs. I mean, this guy that got fresh legs, you still want to see what he's able to do. And so and I and, and I said this before when you're dealing with a rookie running back where you're only playing actually about nine to 10 games in a season, you know, you know, and you, you, you know, Pacheco was at Rutgers. When this is a 17 game season, man, it weighs on you. You could really feel the hits, all those different things are coming and it, and you could kind of see maybe, you know, maybe a little tiredness here and there. So why not give them a break? We got, we got the bodies to do it, not just bodies, but capable guys that could do it. Right. We know Rojo is a guy that, you know, was a very capable back in the NFL. And so him coming in, he looked like fresh legs. He looked, he ran hard. He ran behind mm-hmm. his pads. And so 
the thing was, uh, he still gives you that element about playing, like, you know, running hard, running fast. And it's just, you need a guy like that, especially if you think something happens to Pacheco, he slows down McKinnon, may have nicks and bruises and stuff like that. Rojo's a guy that you can use, utilize on him, come in. You're not going to skip a beat on anything as far as, you know, maybe catching the football. As far as uh, mm, pass blocking, I think he's still capable. I'm sure he can still do it if he needs to, you know, just make some cuts, whatever he needs to do. But he's uh, – I think it's it's a little bit of both, to be honest with you, you know, just kind of getting what you were saying, what you was asking. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a little bit of both, and I think it's actually genius of what Andy Reid did tonight because, yes, you saw last week against the Broncos, uh, Pacheco, there was something bothering him. I don't know what it was, but he kind of walked off the sidelines like, oh, you know, and usually he just pops right up, no big deal. Yeah. So you knew it had to have been something, and I think the Chiefs were paying attention and being cautious because at the end of the day – he is the running back one. I know McKinnon is setting records out here with receiving touchdowns, but he's not really a bell cow in any way of running the ball between the, the tackles. That's Pacheco's job. So they did give him a little bit of a bump, a little bit of a blow tonight by not making him run 18 to 20 times. And so they're, you know, in a rojo. Now, this is also genius on the fact that I think the, the Chiefs are now giving themselves an opportunity to get rojo in a little bit of rhythm. Because what's to say that rojo doesn't get an opportunity in a playoff game if, like, Pacheco isn't effective or you know uh, hopefully this doesn't happen if somebody goes down with an injury rojo had a little bit of a of a confidence boost in week 18 against the raiders all of a sudden he's feeling really good about himself in a big game against whoever it is that she's facing their first divisional playoff game and rojo has himself a good game because of it i think this is great coaching i think this was a, a, a really well executed opportunity and i don't like the fact that the chiefs made me wait 17 games to finally uh you know get my rojo tweets off but damn it I got my Rojo tweets off tonight, fellas, and it felt damn good. I, would, I never doubted my guy Rojo. I've been waiting for him, and he right. finally got his opportunity. Right. And I wouldn't be shocked, man, if he makes a couple plays during the playoff run the Chiefs are about to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely a method to the madness there with Andy Reid waiting. Um, hey, remember, Rojo wanted out. He's like, no, 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 he's good where he is. And then, obviously, we're, see- we're seeing now what the plan was. And J.D. said it during the season, there's a plan for this. I, I don't know what it is, but there's a plan for it. And we, hey, hey, we're finding it now. We, the fresh legs, and we're going to kind of probably see these fresh legs throughout the playoffs. Um, the fact that we're – and that's the thing, too. It's not, if people were saying, oh, it's last game of the season, you know. Yeah, I'm sure we were spelling Pacheco and McKinnon, but we obviously we needed this game to clinch the one seed. So, obviously, it was an important game. He was getting touches right out the gate in that first drive, more so than Pacheco was. So, I like, okay, maybe this is kind of a sign to come as we get to the into the playoffs. You'll have you'll have a role in the playoffs, and I think we're, we are seeing that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And Noah John here says uh, McKinnon will be 31 next year, but I'd rather see KC pay him for a two-year deal than Naughty, Henny, Bell, Watson, even maybe Thornhill or these – other mid-tier backup upcoming free agents. I will say I love McKinnon. He's amazing for us. 31, I don't think he's going to break the bank, uh, but this is a pretty good running back free agency class coming up this year. Um, So there's guys out there, and also the draft class too. So it's a pretty good running back class. So I don't don't know. But obviously McKinnon's been amazing for us, and I'd love to have him back at the right price. Um, Yeah, I think you reward a guy like him, man. He's he's been phenomenal the past couple of years. Since he's been here, he really has. Like I said, if if you're looking for somebody who has been a – a solid guy uh, in the backfield. It's been McKinnon. Yeah. He, he showed in the playoffs. And I, I think it's always about McKinnon just staying healthy, staying healthy, staying healthy. And, he, man, he looks he looks good. He looks young out there, man. You know, like I said, man, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big, a huge McKinnon fan, huge McKinnon fan. 
And I think with that, him being 31 really doesn't matter with it, the role that he has. Because remember, Dominic Rhodes played until like, he was like mid-30s. And like that is a kind of Dominic Rhodes type role he's playing with us. Shoot, what about uh, Giovanni Bernard? Giovanni That's, Bernard, yeah. he's, like, he's about 48 years old. Is that still in In all seriousness, it's, it's true because the – the volume isn't on McKinnon. It's not going to be where he's getting, you know, 240 touches a season. He's getting it sprinkled. He's just insanely efficient. Yeah. He'll get, you know, 65 touches in a season, but gets nine touchdowns. Like it's, <laughs> it's wild how it works, man. It's insanely efficient football. And I'm 100% on, on board with that, that comment. I would love to see him get back. Would I, would I want to give him a multi-year deal? Probably not just because of the fact that at the end of the day, this is a very violent sport and, and, and your prime years can go very quickly. Um, but if it is going to be a multi-year deal, I'd love I'd love for it to be more incentive based to kind of mm -hmm. protect the Chiefs on the back end of it, where he has to stay productive in order for it to make sense for the team. Because the team is going to be aggressive this offseason, I think, in, in free agent spending. I think they're going to go and get more edge rush. I think they're going to go get a wide receiver. I think that or pay Juju however they want to do it. I think their money's going to be tied up on guys that are going to be a little bit more of a heavy hitter or more of a dynamic player. And that's no disrespect to Jarek because, like I said, this dude's about as efficient as it gets. He's been a supercharged version of what Damian Williams was for this team. And I would love for him to be back for the next, for at least another season because he has no signs of slowing or falling off. And also, to be honest with you, as, as much as we might think his market would look good, let's be real, man. He's perfect for this offense, and this offense is perfect for him. So the market may not be as great as we might think it is monetary-wise, where he might just stay in Kansas City and might take the deal they offer because it just makes the most sense for him because he gets playing time and he stays in the league, makes money. It's a, it's an ideal situation for him as well. Absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's just showing appreciation for what he's, you know, what he's been giving him. Why not? Matter of fact, shoot, I, I would even think that once we look at it, you know, Future-wise, our running back room is pretty pretty set, right? CH mm -hmm. might be the one that's he's going to be our man out. I mean, it's just yeah. you know it's the reality of it. Yeah. I mean, so you you got you got guys here, you got guys yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. And I I do gotta say, um, or having Orlovsky on the uh, telecast was amazing. Having him and Rick, fantastic. Their analysis is great. Um, and I guess he had he had a really good player comp with um he had two good player comps. You compared uh, Tony to Percy Harvin, which I love that comparison. And then also with Pacheco, you compared to Marion Barber. And Marion Barber, the year he led the league in um, touchdowns when he had 14 with Dallas, he wasn't the main guy. Um, and they had it was kind of a split back. Like Julius Jones was the, the the top dog in that offense. I think he had that he got over a thousand yards that year. I think it was six. Uh, but like. Those years, it was kind of they had, had multi-running backs doing a lot of different things on that team. Um, so, like, yeah, having a McKinnon type in the offense doing what he's doing. And, yeah, and like you said, J.D., I mean, what we said on our show this week that we had, you know, C.H. was kind of like what we – everything we wanted. McKinnon is everything we want C.H. to be coming out of LSU, and that's that's kind of what, you know, that what we're seeing from McKinnon now um, in, the, in the offense. Um, so, yeah, hopefully we keep him around. I do think – I will say with him, I, I don't know what his thoughts are going to be with the offseason – He's probably going to want one. As a guy who's been injured a lot in his career, he's probably going to go ch chase the money, and I don't, I don't blame him if he wants to. Coming off a year like this, go take a multi-year, get, get paid somewhere. I mean, yeah, I mean, sure. that's probably first and foremost, right, JD? Your money always goes after you win the Super Bowl, so yeah, that's where he's going to be at. Yeah, yeah. All right. So the last topic here this is something that everyone's talking about. Everyone who doesn't watch football is talking about it. Youth league coaches are probably sending videos to people. My flag football team sending this play to everybody about trying to do this is the play we did in the game that scored a touchdown, but they called it back. Um, what they're called the snow globe play. Now, my question here is I was kind of, I was kind of obviously everyone was like blown away by the play. It's ridiculous. Um, it worked, but 
Is that kind of interesting that we were pulling this play out week 18 instead of waiting to bust that bad boy out during the playoffs to just throw teams off, J.D.? Or are you – how do you feel about that? I, I think this, this is the best time to do it. Not, don't don't run something like that during the playoffs. You can run it on, you know, uh, game uh, uh, 17, okay, <laughs> at the very – week 18, when you're up three touchdowns, all right, <laughs> and you're going in uh, with, with 10 yards to go score. That's when you do it. Don't know now. This, hey, I like all the cute stuff. I really do. But hey, this is having fun and just showing everybody we having fun while we're out here, right? It's just that's what it is. But I, you'd have been playing for something else, you know, for the playoff, not this snow globe or whatever they want to call it. Hey, man, it looked cute. It was fun, all right? And, and it went to work without the uh, the penalty, but hold a call. Yeah. Well, he didn't hold him. Orlando Brown did not hold that dude. They yeah. should have let them have the play, man. That sucked. And to answer the question, this was the perfect time to do it. And yeah. this is Andy Reid on brand as it could be. Uh, this is what he loves to do in games that he gets a feel of things pretty quickly. And, and I think we all knew pretty quickly because the Chiefs actually scored an opening drive touchdown for, I think, the fifth time all season. Um, Andy Reid knew they had this game won. And, and, and sometimes his cuteness gets a little annoying because I'm like, Andy, the game's not over. This game... I don't know what you're thinking right now, bro. Just score a damn touchdown. But when it works like that, it looks cool, and it's all smooth, and you can tell the team been working on it all week. It's fun, man. That's what makes this game fun. And we've seen Andy, like, even in the pre preseason, where he had Justin Reed kicking PATs and kicking the football off from the tee. Like, this is Andy loves to have fun. This is why players love playing for him, because he's a guy that wants them to be rewarded with things, because these guys work their ass off. JD, you played in the league for over a decade, man. You guys bust your ass. And to be able to have some fun like this and make make the game you've been playing since you're a child to be a little more childlike, these guys are going to sign up for that, man. So it was, it was great to see. I don't anticipate it's going to happen in the playoffs unless there's a Steelers-esque kind of game like the Chiefs were whooping the Steelers last season in the better-than-a-bye game, as our guy Nick Wright so eloquently put it. Uh, unless something like that happens, yeah, I don't, I don't envision that's going to ever be seen again. The Chiefs are going to take those games very seriously. And, and really, during the week, I'm going to be honest with you. You actually having at least maybe two or three trick plays that you're trying anyway. They, they, you know, they're just putting some things in. I can imagine any of them probably got about 10, to be honest. <laughs> you know, they probably like just talking to each other. Hey, man, let's go ahead and do the, the snow blow play. <laughs> you want to try it? Like, yeah, let's try it this time. <laughs> you, know, you know, Patrick's like, oh, shoot, they don't call it. <laughs> right, now, let's go, let's go. <laughs> Oh, they have a blast out there. They are. They have a ball out there, man. I, and I love seeing it, you know. And, and I think sometimes defenses could be like, man, y'all really disrespectful. <laughs> you know, like that. So, uh, but no, nah, man, it, it was good. It was fun to watch it. What, what do you make when you see that see that kind of play being run in an NFL game? Because, I mean, 20 years ago, you're like, that play, play like that's never going to be run in the NFL. And, then, like, now we're seeing that kind of, like, crazy, like, youth league, you know, Pop Warner kind of play, like, being shown in front of us. And it's like – it's working to perfection, too, yeah. minus the flag they called. Yeah, I mean, look, when you have stellar guys like the Chiefs do, you you have pretty much the ability to try anything, especially Patrick Mahomes, right? We know, it, hey, look, he's the magic man, so he's yeah. doing everything underneath and stuff, so <laughs> there's nothing out the realm of possibility with him, right? Mm -hmm. So say, like, hey, hey, Pat, snow globe, snow globe. <laughs> snow globe. <laughs> well, hey. 
And plus, when you've won over 70 games, 70-plus games over the last five years, you've hosted the last four AFC championships, mm-hmm. and you have the cachet and clout that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes have, yeah. you really can't say anything on the opposite end of this. You just have to take it on the chin and realize, hey, these guys have earned this right, man. These guys are the class of the NFL. Yeah. What are we going to say? Hey, stop it. Like, what are you, you going to do? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you just have to take it on the chin and let them play their game, man, because they've earned it. <laughs> and it worked. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I guess that's why I, I mean I asked why we 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 didn't wait till the playoffs like to, to run these plays. I mean, look at the Super when we played the Niners in the Super Bowl down the red zone. We did we, we did that play that ran the Rose Bowl in the nineteen fifties. Um, and then you had at that that same Steeler game you're talking about, uh, Lance. I think we had Harbin uh, play. And this is the first quarter, remember? We had the fumble. Yeah. Harbin took a snap. It's like, oh shit, what, what, what are we doing here? <laughs> I know a lot of people are upset. We, we we were doing that in the playoffs, but like. You know, I mean, that's why I thought we'd wait to show a different look like that in the playoffs. No, man, look, you you qualified right now. There's nothing really up against it you're worried about as far as if it messes up and then work, fine, whatever. Right. Playoffs is, you know, you know you're going home. If it it doesn't work. So, Mm -hmm. you know, because, you know, at at the end of the day, if you do lose in the playoffs, all they're going to be talking about the snow goal play play that didn't work. Like, what what were they making? Like, what is this? You know? Is this mine? Is this it? Is this the moment? Is what it's going to be remembered for? <laughs> they'll, they'll be calling it the, they'll be calling it the rosebud play because he uh, they dropped the snow globe. Yeah. <laughs> is this a game reference? <laughs> um, there was one tweet that I saw during the game from Colin Coward. I, I don't agree with all, all, all Colin Coward's takes, but this is one that I thought was interesting. He's he's big on the offensive coach, head coaches being being more towards the, the young offensive mind type type things. And he tweeted something out during the game after that uh, snow go play. Uh, he said, Andy Reid is running razzle-dazzle I've never seen before. Josh, Josh McDaniels calls it fade on a crucial play in the red zone. The offensive gap in the league isn't just at quarterback. And I got to say, I mean, I, I, was, I was watching a, I got, I got, I got a whole thing about the fade route in the end zone, how that's one of the, the by completion percentage, one, what's one of the, the, the lowest percentage plays to run in the red zone, the, the fade route. And that's something that, you know, you see that. That's, you know, that's it's not something that's been, always been a thing, right? But, like, what do you make of that, JD? That that tweet, um, specifically, the, kind of the offensive gap that we're seeing in, in the league now. That we're, Now that we're seeing snow globe type plays, then we're seeing just the traditional throw the fade up in the back of the end zone type plays on third, third and goal. Well, it, it, it's some validity to it, but it, it all depends who's at the helm, who's throwing the football. Yeah. It, all of that matters. It really does. And so, if you have like a traditional quarterback, you know, like a Tom Brady that Josh McDaniel had and, you know, the guy that you're running, you, you're going to be very selective of what you run, right? When you have Patrick Mahomes, you know, then you could extend them, like, as far as, like, your possibilities. And, it, it, like, for Andy, that's a match made in heaven. He's That's a toy because it's yeah. like, man, this guy can make every throw that I'm asking him to throw, right? So some guys just know, like, look, this guy doesn't have the arm for this. We know he can't make that play. With Patrick Mahomes, there is no – what is it? You know, what's his limit as far as doing things, right? We know he could chuck it 80 yards down the field if he needed to for, you know, get someone off his knees and you know, overhand. So that's the thing about it. When you have a guy who has that ability to make certain throws, you could do more things with it, right? And so that's why the offense looks like that. You could be more creative with these guys. And so also, too, when you sit there and you look at, at, at Kadarius Tony, you know, you got Juju, you got Travis Kelsey. I mean, you got all these the myriad of, like, you know, weapons around you too. I mean, they having a great time. Believe me, yeah. I guarantee every offensive meeting, these guys are sitting there and they're just sitting there like, man, what else are we going to do this week? You know, we, we got so much more we can do. Josh Daniel, he's sitting there like, oh, geez. Uh, well, 
Let me see. We tried that one. They didn't work. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. you know, you got something you want to do. So there's <laughs> a difference. There's, there's differences there, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so that, that's where I think that lies in. Uh, but you know, look, Andy's creative. We know uh, my man out there and, and, and with the Rams is creative. Uh, I can't think of uh, Sean McVay. McVay is creative, you know. So th there's some minds out here just doing some things work, getting guys open. I'm just looking at it from an offensive mind, you know, how guys are getting open, working in certain positions and, and whatnot. So matter of fact, and I'm gonna say this, when this year's over, I wanted to go into some of these games and start looking at a little bit more of some of these things as far as like offenses, what they're doing. You know, to get guys open, even you know, because mm -hmm. it has changed. Yeah, yeah. Um, sport sports are, especially when it comes to dynasties or teams that have been successful for a long period of time. It's always the tale of the duo. Uh, if you look in basketball, you see Greg Popovich and Tim Duncan. You see Phil Jackson and and, and MJ or Shaq and Kobe. You see just throughout history, Bill Russell and 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 and, the, and his coaching that he had back in the day. And it's it's always that. And then you see Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. They were perfect for each other because Tom Brady played more of a conservative, safer style of football with Bill Belichick being a genius on the defensive side and had an elite defense that really carried the way. So when it comes to Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, I always feel like Andy Reid was this beautiful mind, this beautiful artist that was just missing this key to the picture. And he spent 15, 20 years waiting for that opportunity to have that special piece. And he finally got it, and that's why it looks so easy, and that's why the rest of the league is chasing that. Because as J.D. just spoke about, you know, Sean McVay having that brilliant mind, the one season he has a top-tier type of quarterback in Matt Stafford, what's he do? He wins the damn Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, you look at yeah. Kyle Shanahan out there just maximizing mediocre quarterback play and taking teams to the NFC Championship multiple times in the Super Bowl. That's because he's a brilliant mind. He's a genius. He had a, If he had a Patrick Mahomes... The Niners would have a couple Super Bowl championships right now. Sean yeah. McVay would have more Super Bowl opportunities. He had with Jared Goff and Matt Stafford, and he's been to two with those guys. Mm -hmm. So Andy Reid has just put a lot of work into it, and he's getting his opportunity to do so, and that's why it's no surprise that he's standing around. He's standing above the rest because yeah. he finally has that piece to do what he's been wanting to do for the better part of two-plus decades. So that's what it comes down to, man. It's just the tale of the duos. We've seen it throughout all sports. Once you yeah. have that coach and that superstar player that are aligned and yeah. are functioning together on the same page, you don't beat them for 10 to 15 years. Yeah. I will say, just thinking about the, the fade route in general, I don't really, we don't really run the fade route that much with our offense. We don't really, we don't really do the bet. Jody Ports, I think, has got a couple. That's about it. That's it. It was mostly in the preseason with, with those yeah. fade routes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Crazy. Um, last thing before we go, just talking about offensively, one of the things that stood out today, and I mentioned Orlovsky compared to Canary's Tony to Percy Harvin. The way we utilized him today, I really love the way we utilized him in like in that backfield, that, that touchdown run he had. I mean, he looks like a smaller version of Debo, the way we're using him, right? Yeah. I mean, I, that, that's that's what it seems like to me. Uh, what do you guys make of the way we're using uh, Kadarius Tony? And then obviously, hopefully, that's a sign of for the future when we use him next year. We have a full year to have him on, on this team. I, I, I'm excited about the possibilities that Andy's going to what Andy's going to do with him. That's another toy he'll ha be able to to have um, going forward uh, on this team. Uh, what, what do you think about the way we use Kadarius Tony, uh, JD? Well, look, I, I think he was one of the guys that came in to be somewhat of a Tyreek Hill-esque, if you will, Raleigh, right? I mean, the offense was all predicated off what Tyreek could do. Well, well, Harman could do some of those things, but he couldn't do all those things. And so you bring another weapon in, like Darius Tony was like, oh, wow, he, this guy could definitely do something like this, like Tyreek. So what we're trying to do, we're, we're fitting pieces into, 
you know, a puzzle, a jigsaw, what we're trying to do, right? And so a guy goes, takes his stuff down to South Beach. That's fine. Doesn't matter. We could implement and put a, a, a PC in and still get some of the things that we wanted out of it. And Kadarius Tony, I mean, you see him just making guys miss, man. He's just, he's an electric guy. He's He's got that, when I'm talking about that game-breaking ability, he can do that. And so, I mean, it's, that's, I mean, that's where you want to be. Our offense has that because you got Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And so when you bring these weapons around them, you want to be able to, to you know, to generate this type of offense with a guy like that. And so Kadarius Tony, without a doubt, what he does and what he brings to it is a, an element of just uh, excitement, speed, uh, and elusiveness, maneuverability. He brings all of that here, man. And he's just he, – that's it was great to get this guy. One of the best pickups we've had in a long time. The Chiefs have a lot of weapons right now, and I think it's cool because of the fact that I feel that they all have their own significance in what they and what role they play in this offense. And I look at Patrick Mahomes kind of like the scene in The Matrix when Trinity has all the guns come rolling by him and he like chooses which weapons he wants to use. I look at like Juju Smith Schuster and Justin Watson, MBS, Sky Moore, and these guys as like little daggers. They'll just stab, they'll just stick you. Like, ah, damn, man. They're just getting these little, these little sharp plays right here and there, man. They're working, they're effective, they're efficient. Travis Kelsey's like this uh, AR-15 or AK-47 where it's effective. You can bang it around, throw it in the mud, pick it back up, and it works every single time. It's just resilient, and it's always there. It's always reliable. And then I look at Kadarius Tony. This dude's a Tommy gun. He is spraying all over the damn field, man. You can do whatever the hell you want with it. He's just spraying around Dick Tracy style, man. Just all, I mean, go long, intermediate passes, run out of the backfield, jet sweeps, gimmicky stuff. Like, this guy can do it all. Guys, I remember weeks and weeks ago, when we talked about this player in the Jacksonville Jaguars game, about how I was somebody who was so reluctant to saying, oh, this guy's going to be everything the Chiefs needed all along. And then all of a sudden, he's everything the Chiefs needed all along. He is special. This kid's got talent. I love, I mean, the fact that the snow globe play didn't work, but then the very next play, what happened, guys? Kadarius Tony ran that bad boy in, took a yeah. massive hit to his upper body, and still took that bad boy in. I, I love what this kid's going to do. And the best part is, for the first time in two months, we're going to see him and McCole Hardman play in the playoffs together, guys. I hope you're excited about that. Having those two guys on the field at the same time is going to open up this offense like we've yet to see, and I could not be more excited about it. Kadarius Tony, I, I love the Percy Harvin comparison because if he's anything close to what Percy Harvin was, you, you all remember, that dude was special. Oh, that yeah. dude was, a, was a, and just it sounds funny, he was a fantasy football god. That he was so he much was. funny. Kick returns, punt returns, out there, kick, you know, receiving, leading the team, receiving yards and rushing yards, and sometimes like he was just multifaceted. If Kadarius Tony is that for this team, there is nobody stopping this offense because it'll just, it, it'll just be unfair, man. Yeah. Only one that can stop them is themselves. That's yes. It. Yes. If they, if they sustain keeping the football in their hands, no turnovers and stuff, man, just yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Uh, yeah, if he is anything like Percy Harvin in this offense, oh man. Uh, and Percy Harvin, you could say, you could argue uh, when he went to even at even after his prime, right? When he went to Seattle, I mean, he gave he gave him a different element that that, that, that team didn't really have in that, that receiving room. Um, I believe they went to the Super Bowl. I see they I see they lost in the slant play. I believe, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, if we could have a, that, that can you, you who they threw the ball to. What's that? What do you say? You said the slant play. That, that was the year they lost and the Super Bowl. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. On that, on that slant route play. It, it wasn't to him, I don't think. Um, no, but, no. Um, it was, uh, uh, oh, man. Was it Paul Wim? No. Uh, Dad got it. I know exactly who it is. I always was. thought it was Doug Baldwin for some reason. No, it. Uh, I actually, I did a, uh, a talk with this guy. 
And it was, was it uh, Chris Matthews, the, the the dude who's a who's like a Footlocker guy, and he came out like that year for them. No, I know it was Malcolm Butler that picked it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Oh shoot. I'm gonna ask a little uh, trivia question. Yeah, he, he went to he went to Fort Valley State, so in, in college. Ricardo Lockett. Yeah, it's Lock. Lockett. Is that Ricardo Lockett? That's who it was. Uh, yeah. Right. So it was like fifty-five Lockets that have made the NFL. It's amazing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I think the spelling with his name is a little different than Tyler Lockett. Okay. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 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 yeah the Lock. pronunciation stays the same. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right, fellas, we'll let you guys get back to the uh, the the other game, that pretty much a playoff game tonight. The winner winner gets in. Yeah, this one tonight. Yeah, they win the AFC South. Yeah, last I saw, I think Tennessee just kicked the field goal, so they're up three nothing in this in this one. It's so. gonna be an ugly one, man. But I think the Jags pull it out by three. Yeah, I think like the over under for this game is like thirty five points. I believe yeah. uh, thirty seven, if I'm not mistaken. Thirty seven. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's gonna be a good one. Um, that, yeah. I guess the, the good thing is that you watch that with those kind of games, those kind of grinded out kind of games. That's more like, okay, you, you really watch for the outcome, not really so much for a great, great football play in this one. Yeah. Oh, great, offense, great offensive play, at least. It's Old gonna school be good, football. Yeah. Gonna be good defense, at least. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, real quick before we leave. One word, yes or no. Do you think in the playoffs, the championship game, neutral site, do you think it's fair or not fair? <laughs> real quick. Just, I know, just real quick. I just, We'll have to elaborate just real quick. What do you think? I know. Oh. I know I, too. <laughs> Go ahead, Marcus. <laughs> I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give a, a little sentence as to why I say this, though. I'm gonna say no, but I'm gonna say only because once I heard that since he wanted to play, uh, they they wanted to resume the game this week. Yeah. Buffalo said no to that. Yeah. That's at that point. I'm like, okay, if a team's saying no to that, that should be disqualification. They should get a loss for that. That, that, that's what I say because they gave him a chance to play that game since he wanted to play at Buffalo, didn't want to play it. That's when I'm like, eh, I, I don't think they should. Uh, I, I don't think there should be a neutral site if we have to play Buffalo. That's that's my opinion on it. JD, you can't ask me yes or no questions because I can't just say yes or no. <laughs> you know me, dude. You've known me way too long. You've known me way too long, man. I can't do that. No, no, I, I, all right, go ahead. I, JD, I want to hear. I want to hear. No, it's not fair. Damn it. No, dude. They literally changed the playoff rules. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, last yeah. I last I checked, we were supposed to abide by the rules. Zach Tacey, all right. Last night on our show, we we, we celebrated our 200th episode for the Spoken Podcast last night. Uh-huh. And you oh, think? Oh, and here's the thing, everybody. Thank you guys. The thing I did is I I'm I'm not happy about the fact that the Chiefs have to hope that they can host the AFC Championship in their house, even though they earned the one seed. Mm-hmm. I'm more upset for the Bengals and Ravens. Those two teams got screwed. Yeah. Think about it. The Bengals honored and respected what the Bills wished. They said, we can't play this game. We, Our guy died on this field and then flatlined in the hospital. We, Zach Taylor and his team's like, no, no, we totally get it. We'll respect this, honor this. I know it's unprecedented. And we'll. And if you guys don't want to resume this game, we can cancel it. That's fine. And I'm sure in the back of the Bengals' minds, they're thinking, well, the NFL will do the right thing. We'll go off win percentage, all this other stuff. And then mm-hmm. week 18 will be week 18. We'll just go according to where the seeds fall. But the NFL decides, no, you know what? Let's let's do feels over reels. Let's 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 change the entire infrastructure of what we've had agreed upon to make the Bills feel better about this situation. Does right. it suck what happened to Hamlin? Yes, it's horrible. Right. It is horrible, and I'm so happy the kid's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but damn it, you can't change the game because you want to make things feel better. Guys, I don't give a damn. If the Bills, like Marcus just said, 
If you don't want to play the game, that's fine. Just like I, I have the right to say what I want to say, but I'm not free of consequence. They right. have the right to not play the game. They yeah. shouldn't be free of consequence. Mm -hmm. They should have had an L on their L column, and they should have been moved to the three seed, and the Bengals had an opportunity to still fight for the one seed in Week 18. They got screwed because now they have, oh, congratulations, you, you clinched your division, but if you and the Ravens end up playing in the playoffs after the Ravens might beat you, uh -huh. then you're going to do a coin toss. You may not even play a home game even though you clinched your division. And then yeah. they made a spaghetti out of the whole damn playoffs. It doesn't make sense, J.D. They screwed it all up, bro. They could have just made it simple. But no, the NFL doesn't want to do things simple. They just want to piss us all off. And congratulations, you won. You pissed me off. Yes, your fist, J.D. <laughs> What's that? What's your stance on it? Wait, wait, yes or no on this one? I think it's unfair. I'm just going to leave it at that. Duh. <laughs> he's, the only, he's the only one who went by the rules. Yes or no? He's the only yeah, one. I, yeah, because I, I, I go where, where Lance is going. I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that. Though. Okay. I said it for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, tomorrow should be interesting. Um, I think if, if Patriots win, then this whole neutral site stuff goes null. So right. Patriots, have to, Patriots have a chance to get in the playoffs and make the, the playoff thing uh, be right. So, you know, hopefully uh, like Vegas is giving them seven and a half points. So obviously Vegas doesn't think there's going to be much room for uh, Mac Jones to pull off the upset tomorrow. But uh, they, we've seen stuff like this happen before. Um, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's, the, that's the one. Another one a lot of people are pissed off about is the um, – Seattle game being at 425 and the uh, Packers game at at uh, the primetime game because they, they, they think those should get those games should be simultaneous because I believe yeah. if Seattle wins the lines are out yeah if so Seattle wins the lines for. are out yeah then and, and, and Detroit's got nothing to play for Green Bay pretty much gets a cakewalk to the playoffs and they get their they get the headline name Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs the NFL does so the NFL wins yeah again <sighs> big business baby big business fellas Damn Big right. business. Yeah. <laughs> hey, think, thanks for getting my heart rate back up, JD. I thought we were, you know, calm, <laughs> collected, gonna go fall asleep with this boring ass game, and you got me all hyped up. That's yeah. what I'm saying, I just wanted a quick, just a quick one, you know. So that's all right. That's good. It's good. Indian, good. Indianapolis, Indianapolis uh, said they can't do the neutral site in, in Indy anymore. So uh, have, they, have they? Is there a spot yet, or are they still looking for a spot for that neutral site if it does happen? They're, they're, they're still looking for it. Goodell said he will, he will decide if he has to. But here's just a wild thought. And just go with me on this. How about the top seed in the remaining game? The you know the AFC gets the, gets to host the game. I, I don't know. Wild thought. You know, excuse oh. me, guys, for being crazy here. I thought they were going to say gets to choose, but cannot choose their home no. site. How about just the top seed gets to host it? You know, like we've been doing for like the last seventy years. Yeah. They ain't doing that. Everybody's got to feel good. We have to do that, man. That's how it works. Don't want to hurt feelings, you know. <laughs> All right, fellas. Well, that does it for us. Uh, thanks for tuning in to Chief Concerns presented by Bet Online. We'll see you guys. The Chief Concerns crew will see you guys Thursday. And Lance, of course, uh, back to Saturday next week. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Congratulations, um, my brother, man. Love you, Lance. All right. Love, love you, you guys. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys. Love you, fellas. All right. Hi, everybody. Thanks for watching. Subscribe here to get the latest from the show. Also, be sure to check out the best clips from Chief Concerns. And if you prefer to listen to the show, Subscribe and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.